Good morning, everyone. Like Jeff said, we are back in the book of Acts this morning, and I'm excited to be back in it. Love the story of the early church that we read about in Acts, and then really considering what that means for our lives today, as we want to be so rooted in the Bible ourselves and continuing the same story of the church that we read starting in the book of Acts and how we can continue that faithfully now in our lives in the 21st century. Well, when I was a junior and a senior in high school and probably into college a little bit, I spent my summers working for my dad building houses, along with my two older brothers. Then usually there were some other high school kids and, uh, and friends from college usually that would come back sometimes. So, so joining the, the larger crew that my dad had already had, we jumped back in. And just for full disclosure, I, I never got whatever gene in is, it, it is that makes people handy and able to build things, which, which Carrie, my wife, loves that I don't have that gene, by the way. Um, but anyway, so, so I, I was always the kid building houses that would like, have to restack loads of lumber when the lumber yard would drop them off at the front of the house. I was the guy that was out there restacking them. I was the guy that was sweeping. Again, just never, never got that gene. So a little bit about me that you now are glad you know. Anyway, so I worked for my dad building houses, and I remember this one summer, there was one time, never happened any other time than this, but my dad invited me and all the other high school and college-age kids, along with his partner, to come here from a financial advisor. And my guess is they just wanted to have us, kind of these young, impressionable adults, start thinking about savings and start thinking about our financial future as early as possible. And so, so the big takeaway that I still remember from this time, I still remember the way the building looked, and it's just funny the things that are Im impressed on your mind and your memories that way. But, but one big thing I remember this financial advisor talking about was this idea that if we started saving early in our lives, even for retirement, which seemed forever away when you're 18 years old, if we started saving for retirement when we were 18 years old, something like that, and if we just put a little bit of money in when we were 18, then we could have more money at retirement than if we started saving when we were 45, 50, or 55 years old. Even if when we were older, we put in more money, and even if we put in more money consistently at that point. The idea was that you would put this money in early, and then this, this kind of key detail, this key term that he kept bringing up made all the difference in how this money that we'd put in early could be multiplied increasing our savings long term. And this key term that he kept using, this key ingredient, was this term compound interest. This key term was what made all the difference with starting to save early is what he recommended that we do. Compound interest made all the difference. Now, now if you're new to finances, or maybe, maybe you've heard this word in high school or college economics class, maybe you know what I'm talking about, but compound interest is just this idea that interest compounds on itself, and the, the power of savings is multiplied exponentially the longer you leave this money in, the, in whatever account it's in, right? One ingredient, compound interest, makes a big difference. All right, now here's where I'm going with all of that. Today, as we continue our series in the book of Acts, I want us to see one ingredient that makes all the difference in multiplying the impact of what we want to be about as a church. One ingredient that can, that can multiply exponentially the difference that we make as individuals and as a church. And so here it is. By, by way of review, here's the goal that we're shooting for. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus tells his followers, this means us too, what the mission of the church is. 
He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, so verses like this are why we as a church want to be all about helping people find and follow Jesus. Just because we want to line up right behind the mission that Jesus gives his church. Now, now there's no way Jesus' first apostles could have accomplished this mission all by themselves. Right? I, I mean, there, there, there's just too much to do to take the news about Jesus to everyone all the way to the ends of the earth. Twelve people, there's just not enough time to do that. Just like there's not enough time for any one of us to do that. So as important as you are to advancing the mission of the church, there's no way that you could do it all by your lonesome, comma, unless you're investing in others. The only way we can see exponential impact as we pursue this mission of the church, as we advance this mission Jesus gives us, is through relationships. It's through investing in others. It's about, it's about investing in maybe just one or two others at a time that you can invite into your life as you follow Jesus. You share more about how Jesus makes a difference in your life. You build a friendship with them. And then pretty soon they're doing the same thing with one or two friends of their own. And pretty soon, those two friends they've invited in are doing it with one or two friends of their own. It's compounded. It's multiplied impact. Investing in others is how we see exponential progress towards advancing the goal of the mission that we see in Acts 1.8. Or, or let me say it this way. God's method for multiplying impact is relationships. God's method for multiplying impact is relationships. These, these are intentional relationships where you're investing in someone else as you follow Jesus. Or are there intentional relationships where you're very intentionally putting yourself around people who can pour into you. So that way you can see how they follow Jesus and learn everything you can just by following their model, listening to them speak into you, and things like that. And so, so this idea that intentional relationships make a difference, none of this is new. Right? I mean, none of this is rocket science. We've all heard the general wisdom out there that reinforces the value that relationships play in our lives. I mean, one popular leadership quote goes something like this. I've heard this a few times. Maybe you've heard it too. This quote says, you'll be the same person in five years as you are today, except for the books that you read and the people that you meet. The, the one thing I want to draw your attention to is, is that the people you meet make such a difference in your lives. The people you're investing in, you can make that sort of difference in them, and the people investing in you make that big of a difference. Relationships matter. Or another quote that's often cited as an African proverb says that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. We want to push the mission of the church far down the field as a church, Brookside. And so that means we need to go together, like that quote just said. We need others. Relationships matter. And so, so again, none of this is new, and it's not rocket science. But don't let familiarity with this keep you from appreciating how important relationships really are. Because Yeah, because we can kind of nod our heads and say, yep, makes sense, and, and not feel inside of us how big of a difference relationships make. I mean, just think about people in your own lives who have invested in you and the person you are today. Maybe just because of one or two or three other people that have poured into you 
in a very disproportionately influential way, in a very significantly helpful way. Maybe it was a mentor who came alongside you when you were just starting a new job and helped you calibrate the reality of this new job so effectively. Maybe it's a coach when you were younger in middle school, high school, or college that, that encouraged you and helped you discover gifts that you had that you never would have guessed. Maybe it was a parent or a grandparent who just over the course of time and through all these ups and downs in life, you just saw their consistent character over time. And this parent or this grandparent stuck by you through a rough patch in life. I mean, I bet if we stopped to think about it, I hope that we would all be able to identify at least a couple of people that have had that sort of influence in our lives on who we are today. Relationships matter. So with all of that in mind, let's put Acts chapter 1, verse 8 upon the screens one more time. Let's look, at this, let's look at this mission of the church through the lens of relationships. If we're going to do this, if we're going to be, be witnesses to Jesus, tell others about who he is, what he's done, what that means for us, if we're going to be witnesses to Jesus in our spheres of immediate influence and then out from there, if we're going to do this, we need to be investing in others. Relationships make that big of a difference. The Apostle Paul is, this, uh, is the main character in the second half of the book of Acts. And he is such a great model of what we're talking about in others, what we're talking about today. Investing in others in such a significantly influential way. And in Acts 16, we see a very, very specific example of how Paul does this in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 to 5, which is where we're going today. And so always, we encourage you to follow along with us as we look at the Bible together. So pull out your Bibles, pull out your phones, find the, your phone app. You can follow along on the screens if you want to, but follow along with us as we open up the Bible and look at Acts chapter 16 this morning. And then, and then while you're going there, let me tell you up front what I want you to be getting out of this time today. You see, by the time we're done, I hope that you feel the importance of investing in others more deeply and in a fresh way. I, I hope you see the potential that investing in one or two or three others more deeply, I hope you see the potential that can have. See, certainly there's, there's potential for adding value to their lives. And that's always the primary driver. As a church, we want to add value into the lives of those we minister to. You should want to be adding value. You should be looking for ways to add value in a special way to one or two or three others, like we're talking about this morning. But we also know this adds benefit to us. It adds meaning and purpose and joy as we invite others along into our lives and build into them in a special way. So, so I want you to see the importance and the potential that relationships have. And then, and then by the time we're done today, I also want you to start looking at relationships that are already around you. Relationships that are already in your life. And I want you to start looking at those relationships in maybe a more intentional way than you have been. Because the question we're going to drive towards this morning, where we're going to end up, is, is this. Who can you invest in in a special way? Who, who are the one or maybe the two people that you can invite into your life a little bit more deeply, maybe than you invite other people, but who can you invest in as you follow Jesus? And so as we head into Acts 16, Paul is just getting ready to start out on what's called his second missionary journey. 
where he's going out to support and strengthen churches that he'd already started a little bit earlier in Acts. So he's going to go reinforce the strength and the health of these churches. But pretty soon in the second missionary journey, he's going to start pushing the gospel out into new frontiers. Telling new people about Jesus, taking the, the good news of the gospel, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, taking that to new places. So that's a little bit of context. And now let's start reading in Acts chapter 16, verse 1. So Paul is on this second missionary journey. He came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. So, so quick time out here, just to make sure that you see that, that, that Timothy is, is the product of a, of a spiritually mismatched marriage, if I can say it that way. His mother was a believer that had this tremendous influence in his life. His father, though, wasn't a believer. And so, so if you're here, and if you're in any sort of similar situation, I want you to find great hope in the story of, of, of the influence that Timothy's mom had on the trajectory of his life and who he became. I, I, want, you, I want you to feel in a, in a fresh way and the value of what you're doing. Hear, hear me say that I admire your perseverance in a spiritually mismatched relationship. I admire that per perseverance, and then I want to continue just to applaud you, to spur you on, to encourage you as you champion the things that matter most in the lives of your child or children and that sort of thing, that sort of relationship. So picking back up in verse 3, we keep reading, and we read that Paul wanted to take Timothy along on a journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So bottom line of that verse is talking about is, is Paul is just being very sensitive to the situation in which he's ministering. There's lots of Jews around. They know Timothy's heritage. His dad's a Greek. So Paul has Timothy circumcised. So, so Paul is being very sensitive to the culture, and, and Timothy takes one for the team in a big way by being circumcised. And then, and then verse 5, we keep reading, or verses 4 and 5, as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders. You can read about that in Acts 15. They delivered these decisions for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Now, it's, it's easy to read this passage and miss something that is of tremendous importance to the rest of the New Testament. You see, see, we learn something here that will significantly shape Paul's life from Acts chapter 16 on for the rest of Paul's life and for the rest of his ministry. And, and then even more than that, we learn something here that, that, that will multiply the progress of the gospel in the first century and beyond that. And, and this really important thing that I'm talking about is that Paul meets Timothy. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? Sounds so matter-of-fact, sounds so ordinary. But this one relationship is pivotal in both Paul and Timothy's lives and for the advance of the gospel. Relationships matter. This tight relationship between Paul and Timothy is all over the place in the rest of the New Testament. Let me just summarize a little bit of how this relationship continues to take shape. Timothy becomes a significant ministry partner alongside of Paul. He joins Paul on church planting trips. He helps Paul write books of the New Testament. And, and then pretty soon, 
Paul is sending Timothy out as his delegate to oversee matters of pretty significant importance in the lives of churches that Paul can't personally be at. And so Timothy carries weight. Timothy carries responsibility. His role is significant. We also know that Paul ends up writing two letters to Timothy. These are 1 and 2 Timothy in your Bibles. And, and in these letters, we find Paul's caring heart for Timothy and also his support for Timothy's ministry. They've got, they've got a very tight-knit relationship. And then the very last letter Paul wrote, 2 Timothy, it was written very shortly before Paul died. Paul knows he's going to be killed for his belief in Jesus Christ. So he knows death is imminent in 2 Timothy. And listen to what he says at the very end of 2 Timothy, in the very last chapter. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, Paul tells Timothy very straightforwardly, but you, but you sense the urgency here. He says, just do your best to come to me quickly. At the end of his life, Paul wants Timothy by his side. That's how close their relationship is. No other passage probably gets at this quite like Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 19, where we see this close relationship these two men have. Here Paul writes, he says, I, I hope in the Lord, in Philippians 2, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I, I have no one else like him, Paul says. So you hear the tight relationship in a phrase like that. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your, for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But not Timothy. You know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father. And that's how tight this is. As a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. So you bet one relationship makes a difference made a difference in, in the lives of Paul and Timothy, and made a difference in the advance of the gospel in the first century and beyond. And it all starts in Acts 16, when Paul meets Timothy and invites him along for the ride. And then at the very end of his life, check out what Paul is saying to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. He says to Timothy, Timothy, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these things to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. This is what Paul had already done for Timothy. And now he, he just tells Timothy, Timothy, keep doing the things I've been doing in your life. Keep doing those in the lives of others. Keep doing those same things. You see, Paul, he had discovered Timothy, is, his, his character, he was well spoken of by these believers at Lystra and Iconium. Certainly he discovered his character, his gifts, Timothy's willingness to be taught. Paul developed Timothy. Develop, there we go, there's a P. O-P, I think it's spelled right. He developed Timothy by inviting him along, speaking into him, partnering together in ministry. And then Paul deployed Timothy. And he gave Timothy significant areas of responsibility in the life of the church. These are the same things we want to be about as a church. And we, so we have every reason to believe that all the way back in Acts 16, Paul is already thinking in, in terms of these things when he meets Timothy. So 15 years before he writes 2 Timothy, 15 years before Paul tells Timothy, hey, the things you've heard from me, 
hey, keep telling other reliable people and pass it along that way. Fifteen years before Paul tells Timothy that in 2 Timothy, Paul is already thinking about that in his relationship with Timothy. And the reason is because Paul just knows he, he wants to create a deep bench of disciples. He wants to create a deep bench of leaders for the church. Paul knows he needs to create this pipeline of disciples who would carry on the mission of the church even after he was gone. We see that start in a very significant way in Acts 16. Well, since it's college football season, I've, I feel like I've got obligation to use a college football illustration this morning. Uh, and obviously there's an easy one on just the value of having a deep bench on whatever team you root for on Saturday afternoons. So, so whatever your favorite team is, by this time in the season, the injury report will always include some people that you didn't want to be on that list, didn't want to be injured. They're on that list. They're out for a few games now. They're out for the season. And so, so every coach knows at the beginning of the season that this sort of thing is going to happen, most likely on their team. And so they need to be building a deep bench of players where, where someone else can step in who can make plays when the star player is called out. Someone else can step in and keep pushing the ball down the field in the right direction. Coaches know, every coach knows, they can't just rely on one player in any one position. They need to have a deep bench. And the same is true for the mission of the church. The mission is big enough that we just can't rely on whoever we think are the star players. Timothy couldn't sit back and watch Paul do all the work. How, how inspiring was it, I bet, for both Timothy and Paul to see Timothy be developed and then be deployed in these ways. This is what we want to be doing as a church creating this pipeline of disciples, followers of Jesus who are making an impact for Jesus. And if we're going to do that, we need to follow Paul's lead that we read about in Acts 16. The best way to make a dent in the mission of God, the best way to make significant exponential progress along that mission is by investing in others. God's method for multiplying relationships God's method for multiplying impact, excuse me, God's method for multiplying impact is relationships. Investing in others who will invest in others who will invest in others. Everyone here can be doing this. You can be doing this. Whether you're 14, whether you're 24, 34, 44, or I'll skip over a few decades, whether you're 84 or 94, everyone here can be investing in others, finding a friend that you can pour into and come alongside in a special way, finding somebody who's just a step or two behind you in the journey of life, pouring into them in a special way. Just talking about how you're following Jesus, just very naturally sharing about the difference Jesus makes in your life, and then inviting them into this relation with Jesus and to help follow Jesus themselves. And since this is what we want to be all about as a church I want to spend the rest of our time this morning just getting very practical on what this looks like, how, how we do this. If we, if we need to be investing in others to advance the mission of the church, how do we do this? What does this look like? Well, here's one thing. We, we, we keep our eyes open and we discover who is already in our lives that we can invest in. 
So, so as we, just, we just discover who's already in our circles of influence. Paul met Timothy in the course of the work he was already doing. Paul didn't go out and, and put an ad in the paper. He didn't go out and get a search firm when he found Timothy. No, Paul just, he was on mission for Jesus. He kept his eyes and his ears open. And so when he heard people talking about this young man named Timothy, probably only 16, 17, 18 years old, Paul's antenna was already up for looking for people he could discover, develop, and deploy. And so Paul just did the very natural thing. He asked the question. He said, he said hey, Timothy, you want to tag along while I keep going on a few more church mission trips? And Timothy said, yes. And so as you think about who you can invest in, the best place to start is just by thinking about relationships you already have. And so, so, so men, guys, is there another guy in your life? Maybe somebody you know from work. Maybe somebody you see all the time at the gym. Maybe it's a, a boy in your neighborhood that you just know doesn't have a father figure speaking into his life. But so, so, so men, who are the other guys in your life that are already there that you can start investing in? Just choose one or two of them. Make the ask. See if it, see if it goes anywhere. Gals, is there somebody at your work that you can invest in and pour into in a special way? Who, who are the ladies maybe you see out when you're walking around your neighborhood that you always run into? If, you, if you've got kids, if you're a mom, who are, the, who are the other moms you always see at the playground? Or who are the moms that you always see at the sporting events for your kids? I bet if you would take 15 minutes sometime this week, anytime this week while you're driving around, just take 15 minutes and just start thinking through relationships, even at the level of acquaintance, that you already have in your life, you would develop a pool of people more quickly than 15 minutes. And so, so my encouragement to you this week is just choose one of those names that are already in your life. And just make the ask. Say, hey, hey you want to go out and grab some coffee sometime? Hey, hey you want to come over and watch the game together? Invite them into your life and see where it goes. So discover who's already in your life that you can invest in and then invite them into your life and develop them as you go. When Paul meets Timothy, Paul is already midstream into his second missionary journey. Telling more and more people about Jesus Christ. His course is set. And so when he brings Timothy along, it's not like Paul has, has everything about his itinerary change. It's not like Timothy now adds 15 hours of, of extra work to Paul's life that keep Paul from doing things Paul would have otherwise been doing. No, Paul just invites Timothy to join him in the things that Paul is already doing. And so, so once you've identified the name or the, or the two names that you want to invest in in a special way, the, the place to start investing in them is just by inviting them into things you're already doing in your life. So, so if, you're, if you're taking a 20-minute trip to the hardware store to get something for a home repair project, just invite them along for the ride for that 20 minutes. This doesn't have to be an hour and a half structured extra thing that I'm talking about. Invite them along for the ride. If you're reading a book about Christianity or about following Jesus, 
Invite them to read it along with you and then just to meet once a month to talk about it. If you're going to Saturday, serve at the Open Door Mission. Invite them to tag along while you do that. If you're coming here on a Sunday morning, invite them to join you. You get the idea. As you go about the things you're already doing, invite people into that. And then over the course of time, you'll have lots of opportunities to speak into them. Just these little windows that open that you can speak into them in a very intentional way. But they'll, they'll also have the chance over the course of time to see your character and how you act and, and react and interact with others. And all of that will be so instructive as you become a sort of example, a very imperfect example, we all are, right? But something that helps them develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as they follow Jesus Christ and see the difference knowing Jesus makes in your life. And then there's a lesson here for any of you out there that are looking for a mentor, that are looking for somebody to disciple you, which is such a great thing to want, by the way. But if this is you, the best way to find somebody to disciple you isn't to approach that older person you respect and say, hey, do you want to add an extra 20 hours to your week? that's probably already too busy, and do something like really structured with me, uh, is the, the, the best way to find somebody to disciple you is to go to that person you respect, that person you look up to, and say, hey, I, I know you're already busy. I'm busy too, because we're all busy. But hey, I, when you go to the hardware store next time, my house is kind of on the way, just pick me up. I'd love to spend 20 minutes with you that way. Or, or hey, what book are you reading right now? Uh, would you mind if I start reading that same book and could we, could we meet once a month just to talk about a book you're already reading? It's that sort of thing. How can you develop people as you go is the best way to start thinking about this. And so, so we discover who's around us, we develop them as we go, and then finally we give them a vision for how God can use them and we deploy them into areas of meaningful influence and service. So, so as you invest in others, in all the ways I've been talking about today, you'll develop great friendships with these men and women. You'll develop lifelong friendships, deep friendships about the things that matter most. And all of that is such a great thing. But don't forget that you're not in this just to grow your pool of people that you call friends that you can invite over for the Husker game. You're not just in this to grow your friends. That's, that's good if that happens. But the end point is a launch pad where, where you want to launch them into doing for others what you've been doing for them. Where, where eventually you get to a point in your relationship where you just say, hey, I, I love the time we spend together. But, but you know what? Even as we continue our friendship, who are, who are the one or two people, Tim, that you can find that you can start investing in? And you start to deploy them into areas of influence and ministry as well. And the dominoes keep falling, and the mission of the church advances. The bottom line is that these words, discover, develop, and deploy, give us such a healthy framework for understanding 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Let me just pull it up again. Again, this is what Paul said to Timothy. This is what Paul says to us. The things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. It's exactly what Paul did for Timothy. It's exactly what Paul told Timothy to keep doing. That's exactly what Paul 
tells us to keep doing. And the reason he tells us to do it is because relationships matter. As we invest in others, we will exponentially multiply the impact that we can have on advancing the mission of the church. So not long ago, I was talking with, with Blaze Smith, our, our middle school director here at Brookside, and he was, he was talking about how his wife is such a great example of, of what we've been seeing today in terms of investing in others and, and everything we've learned from Acts 16 about how that can start. So, so his wife Hannah, while she was in college, Hannah built a relationship with a gal named Jenny. Jenny was just a few years older than Hannah, and, and they met while they were serving together on a ministry team at church. So, so again, it wasn't something that was really structured, wasn't something brand new. They, they just met while they were going about the things they were already doing in their lives. And then over the course of time, Hannah and Jenny developed a little bit of a deeper relationship where, where again, it was, it was still always pretty informal. They, they never met, to my knowledge, for three and a half hours every week for 36 weeks, nothing like that. So it, it stayed informal, but it also was very intentional where, where Jenny just invested and poured herself into Hannah and helped Hannah grow as a follower of, Je- as a follower of Jesus. And so, so Hannah sent me an email earlier this week just talking a little bit more about this relationship that she had with Jenny. Here's what Hannah said about this. She said, Our relationship included honesty, vulnerability, and accountability. And most importantly, love. Talking about what was going on in my life was difficult, but at the same time, I knew that Jenny would point me in the right direction. And she did this in the most loving way possible. That's the difference relationships make. And then, and then hear Hannah, in her own words, talk about the impact that Jenny investing in her had on Hannah's life. Hannah says, I wouldn't be who I am as a woman if Jenny didn't point these things out to me. I'm able to take what she taught me, and, and now I use it to help mentor other women. I'm so thankful for her, Hannah says. And then like Hannah mentioned what I just read, Hannah is now doing for others what Jenny did in her life. Where, where Hannah is now pouring herself into a college-aged gal here at the church. And, and, Anna, and Hannah is investing in her middle school group of gals that she meets with every week. She has been invested in, and now she's the one investing in others. And, and, the, and the impact is being multiplied through that sort of investing in others relationship. What a picture of what we're talking about today. This is how we fulfill the mission of Acts 1-8. It's through investing in others, who invest in others, who will invest in others. All right, so let's, let's end with a question. I told you I was going to be asking this question at the beginning. Let's, let's now end with it. This is the natural way to end a message like this. So, so now the question is to you. Who is in your life that you can invite along and invest in? Who, who do you know that's already in your life that you can start pouring into in a little bit more of a deep way and just, and just see if anything grows from that? Who will you invest in? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to invest in us. 
thank you for how we have all been recipients of people investing in us as individuals in ways that have shaped in such a positive way the men and women that we are today. And so, so Jesus, as a church, just through your spirit in us, give us, give us this heart, this, this compassion, this, this, this desire, this urgency to consider who we can invest in in our own lives. Bring one or two people to our minds that we can just reach out to and see if anything grows from that. So Jesus, help us identify who that person is and then, and then by your grace, give us, the, give us the grace, the patience, and the strength we need to invest in others who can invest in others for your glory, Father, and the advance of, of the mission you've called us to as your church, telling others about Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.